Good morning, Park Cities. How are you all doing today? Are you awake? Okay, you're going to be awake with me. I can assure you of that. It is always a privilege and an honor to convey God's message with the uh, church. Every time we open up the scriptures, we see how God speaks to us. And as we meditate today, I'm going to invite you to do two things. One is to have an encounter with the scriptures, because there we find the principles of God's word for us today. And secondly, I invite you to apply that together. It has been an awesome experience to go through this sermon series. And today, I'm going to start with this. Probably you have all heard the hymn that says, What a friend we have in Jesus. All our sins and griefs to bear. What a a privilege to carry everything to God in prayer. Friendships are much needed and yet they are often neglected. However, God has intended for us to live in community. In fact, the first negative we see in the scriptures is when God looks at his creation and he looks at men and he says, it is not good for men to be alone. I will make him a suitable helper. So God created the woman. So God intended for us to live in community. C.S. Lewis, in his book, The Four Loves, expresses the following. Friendship is unnecessary. Like philosophy, like art, it has no survival value. Rather, it is one of those things which gives value to survival. This statement is certainly true. However, our friendships are somehow messy and difficult because we all make mistakes, because we are messy. We are challenged sometimes to really repent and believe in the gospel, but sometimes even in our relationships, we make mistakes and sometimes we wonder and say, what happened to this friendship relationship? We lost that friendship along the way. Today, as we continue our sermon series entitled Grace to You, we have been studying how God's grace affects every sphere of influence in our lives. And at Park Cities, we believe that grace is one of the fundamental values in which we live out our faith. Therefore, if we don't know much about grace, we miss out on how to live the freedom that we experience to have a foundational relationship with Jesus Christ. We have already heard in previous messages about God's grace in the church and God's grace in the family. And if you haven't been here, they're online for you. Amen. But today we're going to talk about grace in friendships. And in order to do that, we'll be looking at one of the most meaningful friendship relationships in the scriptures. It is the friendship of David and Jonathan. And I want you to turn your attention to the first book of Samuel, chapter 18, as we introduce this topic of grace in friendships. And as we study this passage, we will consider and we will discover that friendship is a gift, that friendship is also a covenant, and friendship points us to God. 
Let's start by reading the first five verses of this chapter of the scriptures. And this is what the word of God says. It's up on the screen as well. As soon as he had finished speaking to Saul, the soul of Jonathan was knit to the soul of David, and Jonathan loved him as his own soul. And Saul took him that day and would not let him return to his father's house. Then Jonathan made a covenant with David because he loved him as his own soul. And Jonathan stripped himself of the robe that he was wearing and gave it to David and his armor and even his sword and his bow and his belt. And David went out and was successful wherever Saul sent him. So that Saul sent him over the men of war. And this was good in the sight of all the people and also in the sight of Saul's servants. May the Lord bless the reading of his word. Amen. In our text this morning, David has just won a great victory against Goliath. Remember that battle between David and Goliath. King Saul had promised membership into the royal family to anyone who could defeat the giant. And he was keeping to that promise. Jonathan, on the other hand, was the king's son. He's the next in line to inherit the throne. However, he saw in David someone more capable, more willing, and more empowered by God to occupy the throne. So therefore, by handing over his royal robe, armor, sword, bow, and belt, he was abdicating his future throne to David. He sees in David a chosen king. He also sees in David a friend. David was a friend to Jonathan. Let us remember that there were many differences between David and Jonathan. For example, David was a shepherd and Jonathan was a prince. Jonathan had his own armor. I mean, he was experienced in war and, and David had a harp and a slingshot. Jonathan grew up in a palace and was trained in the art of war. And David grew up in the little town of Bethlehem and was trained to tend his father's sheep. Jonathan was the oldest and in line to inherit the throne. And David was the youngest of eight boys and less likely to be anointed the next king in place of Jonathan. Jonathan was of the tribe of Benjamin and David was of the tribe of Judah. However, despite all the differences, they were the best friends the world has ever known. Jonathan, already a great man of war, sometimes we think about David and Jonathan as teenagers. No, Jonathan was older. <laughs> he was a man of war. Likely met young David in the palace in one of those occasions when he was called upon to play the harp for the emotional and spiritually tormented king, Saul. David went back and forth from Saul's palace to Bethlehem. And in one of those occasions, perhaps, Jonathan had a first impression of the young musician. David was a warrior by day and a songwriter by night. It isn't often in life that your hero is younger than you, but this was the case for Jonathan. David was a hero. He could soothe the king, defeat 
the enemy and caused all the ladies, ladies in town to fall in love with him. David was a real deal. I mean, when the men were returning home after David had killed the Philistine, the woman came out from all the towns of Israel to meet, to meet the king Saul and singing and dancing with joyful songs. And they said the following, look what the scripture says. Saul has slain his thousands and David his tens of thousands. Well, David was a celebrity. While most men in Jonathan's shoes would have felt jealous and threatened, Jonathan saw that David was the chosen one. I mean, because the Bible says that the Lord doesn't look at the things people look at. People look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. So David was a man after God's own heart. And David gets often recognition, but Jonathan doesn't. And Jonathan had a profound spiritual insight and discernment. He was also a hero. And it's worth mentioning that today. So the question remains today. How do we experience grace in our friendships? Well, let's try to answer to that question. First and foremost, we must acknowledge that friendship is a gift. Friendship is a gift. The Bible says in 1 Samuel 18, 1, as soon as he had finished speaking to Saul, the soul of Jonathan was knit, and in the original it says he was chained to the soul of David. And Jonathan loved him as his own soul. Twice we read that Jonathan loved David as his, he loved himself. The problem of why we do not value friendship as a gift from God is because we don't value ourselves. Why? Because loving someone as ourselves goes against our human nature. We love our three best friends, me, myself, and I. And we want others to love us, but sometimes we don't even love ourselves. This is foundational for friendships. We will not want people to be friends of me or others because we feel bad about ourselves. Have you seen people that is always putting others down? Always bullying someone? That person is screaming for love. They need a shot of love because they're screaming for attention. In the New Testament, this is exactly how Jesus tells us to love each other. The statement comes as a response to the question from a lawyer to test Jesus. When he asked Jesus, teacher, master, rabbi, which is the great commandment in the law. Jesus said to him, you shall love your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment, and the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Okay, wait a minute, Jesus. This is the radical love ethic of Jesus Christ. So the question remains, how do we find good friendships? How are friendships a gift from God? Well, friendships are valuable. I mean, there is an epidemic of loneliness around the world. In a recent survey, more than 57% of the participants from different parts of the United States expressed that they feel lonely. This phenomenon is seen in every age and stage in life. Little children, teenagers, young adults, middle age, elderly people, everybody. I mean, we have never 
have these numbers in the history of the United States of America. In other words, the world is screaming for a company. It's even worse in other places around the world. For example, in the United Kingdom, this number has risen to about 68%. The Prime Minister appointed someone in his cabinet with the title of Minister of Loneliness. Yes, you laugh, but that's a revealing reality. I have been the preacher for different camps over the years, children, youth, and even a senior adult camp. That was awesome. And the feeling of loneliness seems to be a common denominator regardless of their age. There is a fear of missing out, and I'm talking to the generation today, FOMO. Fear of missing out. It's like my, my children, they say, Dad, you know from this generation, I say, well, sometimes I have to speak your language. FOMO, fear of missing out. It's affecting this generation. However, loneliness is not part of God's plan. You see, we are creatures that are relational, and we need to be in relation with others. In fact, studies have shown that the fewer friends you have, the sooner and more likely you are to die. If you don't want to die soon, have more friends. Therefore, the value that you place on your friends will be evidenced by the way that you treat them. Now, there are different types of friendships, and for example, we have casual friendships. If we have a circle, we have casual friendships, and those are the result of our circumstances, work and school and sports. Then we have what is called close friendships, and we get to select those, to pick those, right? Uh, this is the close friends that we have, and, and we spend time with them, and the greater influence and time that we have on them, they have on us as well. Then we have a third group that is the core friends. And this is like the three or four that are like family to you. David and Jonathan, they're like core friends. You know, the other day, uh, I was listening to Rick Warren, Pastor Rick Warren, talking about friendships. And, and in a conference many years ago, he said that in our life, we have a lot of VDP people instead of VIP people. We have very draining people when we need very inspirational people. And that happens, right? Sometimes we have very draining people that is draining our energy. And sometimes we need to remember that we need to become a good friend to others. Proverbs 24, 26 says, a straightforward answer is as good as a keys of a friendship. You know, the Bible also says that the righteousness choose their friendships carefully. So let us remember that. Let us remember that we have to avoid friends who gossip which is sharing information when you are neither part of the problem or part of the solution. You know, we also need to avoid people that cannot control themselves, that their temper is always blowing off all the time. But friendships are valuable, but they are also necessary. The Bible says that we need to find good friends. It's God's plan for us to develop good friendships. So how do I choose my friendships? Well, the first one would be to choose friendships that would encourage you. 1 Thessalonians 5:11 says, Encourage one another and build each other up. Encouragement is the act of giving someone support, confidence, or hope. Another definition says that encouragement is to fill your heart. I love that one. To fill your heart. 
You know, even if you get five minutes with that person, it will fill your heart. And you have those friends. No matter the distance, you have those friends. You know, 65% of our students or youth, averaging from 12 years old to 18 years of age, experience loneliness. And this is because their hearts are not filled up. I have so many friends in different social platforms and, and also I didn't change my phone number from the other previous church that I had. I had like, I don't know, I have like 2,000 or more contacts in my phone. And the other day my, my son told me, Dad, do you have all these friends? And I said, no, they're just acquaintances. I have few friends. We need friends who encourage one another. We need friends who support us emotionally. You know, this type of friend that when you're going to travel to province, they're there for you. They say, I am here with you. It means listening. It also means serving others. We need friends who challenge us to think. We keep company with those who are wise, the Bible says, and we become wiser. I remember my friend Harvey Bonds. He was my friend. He doubled me in age. He was in his 80s when he passed away. And Godly, he was my friend. He was a good friend. And we have so many differences. He was Anglo and I am Latino. He doubled my age and he could be my grandfather, but he was my friend. I remember going to his backyard and, and he would drink something that I won't tell you. And I will be with him sharing a, a Coke Zero. And we will talk about life and he will challenge me to think differently. And he was a very successful businessman and he's he done so many things in life. And he would say, life ends before it begins, Rolando. I remember one day, Minnie Mons, his wife called me and he was there in the emergency room. I held his hand and I said, my friend, I'm here. Let's go through this together. Don't, don't, mm, don't quit on me. Mm -mm. He survived that last episode. The next day he was eating beans and rice. He loved beans and rice and tortillas. When I was here, he contracted COVID. He passed away. I went back to the valley, took an airplane, and went to his funeral service. And I had the privilege to, to do that for my friend. We will have those friends, right? We invest time with them, communicating with them. In our friendships, we don't have to be interesting. We have to be interested. You know, we spend our lives being interested. I want people to know that I'm interested. Just be interested in people, and you will become a good friend. Secondly, friendship is also a covenant. 1 Samuel 18.3 says, Then Jonathan made a covenant with David because he loved him as his own soul. So what do I mean by covenant? Well, it means commitment. And then you say, Rolando David Aguirre Flores. What type of commitment is this? Well, let me tell you. Based on the story, it's a commitment of love. If you want to have good friends, you need to be committed to loving that person. 1 Samuel 20, 42 says, Then Jonathan said to David, Go in peace, because we have sworn, both of us, 
in the name of the Lord, saying, The Lord shall be between me and you, and between my offspring and your offspring forever. And he rose and departed, and Jonathan went into the city. Jonathan had plenty of reasons to give up on David. Their friendship was not without stress. Jonathan's very own life was at risk numerous times. I mean, he defended David from his own father like four years in a row. <laughs> he was at the verge of dying. But he was cheerful of David. He would be inspiring David. The Bible says that the Lord is pleased with friendly words. The right words at the right moment and place could change the lives of our friends. You know what? The right words were found in David's and Jonathan's friendship. You know, we need to have good times with our friends. We need to smile more. I was reading the other day that to smile, you just use like seven muscles in your face. It's the universal language. You smile and then someone else will smile back to you, hopefully. Because we live in a world of, you know, grumpy people. But you smile. Seven muscles. And then like 43 to 46 muscles you use when you frown your face. Plus then you have to inject Botox. You know, to, to recover from that. Save some money. Smile. It's good for you. It's good for you. You know, I, I'm also pretty sure that Jonathan and David were comfortable with each other. They kept their own identities. They were the, the better version of themselves. You don't have to fake, fake it, who you are. Be who you are. I cannot fake it. I am who I am. You will love me as I am. You will put up with my accent when I preach here. That's a Colombian. I'm not born here. I am who I am. Be who you are. Proverbs 17, 17 says, A friend loves at all times, and a brother is born for adversity. You see, family, you don't choose. Friends, you do. You know, additionally, we see in 1st Samuel, 2nd Samuel, that David married Jonathan's sister. They were brother-in-law. You know, Jonathan ended up protecting David several times. And then he made this statement, you see, you will be king over Israel and I will be second to you. Wow! To the point that when Jonathan died, David was a musician, remember? He composed, he wrote this song, this hymn, whatever. You like, if you like classic music, you put the background on it. If you like salsa or merengue or vallenato like me, I put that in, in the background. Second Samuel, chapter 1, verse 23. Look at what he says. Saul and Jonathan, beloved and lovely, in life and in death, they were not divided. They were swifter than eagles. They were stronger than lions. What type of friendship is this? They were like brothers. They love each other. Do you have a friend like that? It was a commitment of loving each other, but also a commitment of service. 2 Samuel 9, 6 to 8. This is what it says. It says, And Mephibosheth, the son of Jonathan, son of Saul, came to David and fell on his face and paid homage. And David said, Mephibosheth. And he answered, Behold, I'm your servant. And David said to him, Do not fear. I will show you kindness for the sake of your father, Jonathan, and I will restore you all the land of your soul, soul, your father, and you shall eat at my table always. 
And he paid homage and said, What is your servant that you should show regard for a dead dog such as I? Wow! Let me tell you, my friends, that Mephibosheth was a crippled man. He couldn't even move. And then one day, Jonathan dies, and, and then David is, is already a king, and he remembers the covenant that they made to each other for life. And he calls his descendants, and he restores them. And then if you look at the context, we don't have time. He has a lot of family members. They were like Latinos. But Mephibosheth was invited to the king's table to eat always. Always. You and I are Mephibosheth in the story. We don't deserve it, but God, through his son Jesus, is inviting us to eat at his table. Can I get an amen? Friendship is not only a gift, it's not only a covenant, but it's also a real friendship points us to God. 1 Samuel 23, 16 says, And Jonathan, Jonathan, Saul's son, rose and went to David at Horish, and strengthened his hand in God. A true friend helps you find strength in God. A good friend prays for you. A good friend says, I don't know all the answers, but I'm here with you. You see, we need to not only empathize with people. When you empathize with people, uh, it's good, but you have to take it to the next level like Jesus did. He had compassion of people. We sympathize, right? There are three levels. You sympathize, you say, I'm sorry. Mm, I'm sorry that you're going through that. That's sympathy. Empathy says, I'm sorry, but I'm here with you. Compassion says, what can I do? So you don't experience that pain anymore. Wow. This is a sacrificial friendship. You know, David and Jonathan exemplified Jesus in the Old Testament. A sacrificial friendship. John chapter 15, verses 12 to 14. This is what it says. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that someone laid down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. Jesus is talking about the relationship with his Father. He's saying that he is divine and we are the branches. And apart from him, we can do nothing. But then he says, I'm a good friend. He says that when we were enemies due to our sins, he laid down his life for us. Jesus took the initiative to establish his friendship relationship with us. He desires to be our friend. This sacrificial love means that I'm not only willing to lay down my life sacrificially, but also means that I'm willing to lay down my time, my ideas, my projects, my ambitions, my goals, everything for the sake of the other person. That's almost impossible. But Jesus did it. I mean, you can have someone that is going to die for you. I probably die for my wife and for my kids today. But I cannot die for their souls. Only the King of kings and the Lord of lords, Jesus Christ, died for our sins to give us eternal life. That's a good friend. My friends. My casual friends. But you could be my friend too. A sacrificial friendship. Secondly, an unconditional friendship. 
John 15, 15 says, No longer do I call you servants, for the servant doesn't know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends, for all, all that I have heard from my father, I have made known to you. He told his disciples that they were his friends because everything he had heard from the Father, he had made known to them. He revealed to them things that they would not know any other way. He was confidential with his friends. You know, he was confidential with them. It is his unconditional and extravagant love. Friends, if you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ, you're missing out. Look for that quality in friends. I remember the close friends that came to our house when my mom was diagnosed with cancer. When I was seven years old, I remember them. I remember the close friends that were there with me in hardships and troubles. I remember them. Because when everybody, everybody else walks out, close friends walk in. Do you have friends like this? If so, please work on these friendships. And remember to be able to build friendships. Jonathan and David, they spent time together. They talked to each other, like we saw in the video. They cried together. They were honest about their struggles and trials together. And to have real friends, we need to have a relationship with the best friend of all times, Jesus Christ. I'm going to read a poem today, a script or something I found I don't know the author, but I found it appropriate to read it today because it describes the type of friends that we would like to be, and it also describes the type of friendships that we would like to have. And it is entitled, A Treasure. A friend is one who loves us just as you are, one who sees not only who you are, but who you can become. One who is there to catch you when you fall. One with whom you can share your everyday experiences. One who accepts your worst but helps you become your best. Someone who understands your past, believes in your future, and accepts you today just the way you are. Someone who comes in when the whole world has gone out. What a beautiful description is this one. This friend is Jesus. He's our best friend. And he's here with me and with you. He never walks away from you. Instead, he comes with his open arms and he's waiting for us. The King of Kings is inviting us to eat at his table today. He has extended his grace to us in the person of his son, Jesus. And he wants us to come to him. Let us pray. Lord, thank you for your presence and for who you are and for extending the invitation to become your friends. Thank you for the sacrificial, unconditional love through Jesus Christ. And thank you because today we are able to experience that grace in our relationships and in our friendships. Amen. Today we're going to end the service in a different note. I'm going to invite you to spend about two or three minutes with three or four people right next to you, and we're going to pray because the first act of friendship is praying for one another.
So we're going to pray together. If you come for the first time, there might be one that is going to pray for you. Just one person prays. Let's stand together. Let's pray. And then at the end, we're going to sing a few instances of the hymn, What a Friend We Have in Jesus. And then we conclude in prayer. Let us pray together. If you came with your wife or your husband, with your family, do that. Let's pray.